Hello and welcome to Chat Shit Get Well podcast. I'm Tez. I'm Donna. And we talk about various subjects around wellness, fitness, health, mental health, business, life, everything really. Just here for a good old chat. She likes to chat shit. <laughs> I literally do. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy our podcast. Enjoy. Thank you. Welcome to episode seven. I'm here with Tim, who recently won Battle of Bedford and the finals at... Uh, Den in Holland. Yep. And we're here today to talk about Tim's struggles with um, his OCD diagnosis and body dysmorphia. Is it dysmorphia? Body dysmorphia, yeah, that's How right, is it yeah. dysphormia? I don't know why that. <laughs> yeah, my, that's the dyslexia getting uh, in the way, getting the words mixed up. Um so yeah, obviously, congratulations. I interviewed you briefly, you did. didn't I, at GPO did, yeah. when you went through to the finals. How was it when you got out to Holland? Oh, it was amazing. It was, uh, I went, I was there two years ago, um, but in a much different headspace to this time. This time I was actually really looking forward to it. Um, decided to enter a second category when I was there. Okay. So I didn't just do the classic physique, I ended up doing the under 90s bodybuilding as well. Oh, okay, cool. Um, which was just to try out, just to see where I was. I mean, I was probably... Six kilos too light. Yeah. But still managed to win. Oh, wicked. So, That's yeah, so good. So, so you won, come out with two trophies. Came out with, I won the overall classic as well. So came oh, did you? Came out with three trophies and then a second place overall in the bodybuilding overall as well. Oh, buzzing. So it was a re- really, really good. And uh, yeah, it's just a really well run show. GPO, you know, mm-hmm. as you know, Bedford's really well, run really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's the same over there. Everything's just so... It's all about the athletes. Yeah. The the so, yeah, yeah G- GPO, GPO is the best federation that I've competed with for sure because it's just more about the experience rather than the money. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the fact that it's not for profit themselves, they put more back into the into the athletes. Yeah. You know, uh, the goodie bags. They need some prizes. decent trophies as well. I like the trophies. Oh, they're heavy. They're <laughs> huge. Heavy. Uh, they're, they're on, I own a gym. They're on, they're on the shelf in my gym and my, my shelves have to be like reinforced because of the... The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the weight, weight of it is so, so good, but yeah. yeah it's so awesome. you said you was in a different headspace this time, because obviously when you first competed two years ago, was that your first time competing? No, so I competed in 2019 uh-huh. um, for Wabba. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Um, the Rhino Classic in Stamford. Yeah, I know that one, yeah. Uh, so I did novice bodybuilding, and there was uh, 15 of us, I think. And I came like 7th or 8th or something. So there's 15 in the category? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's quite a big stack, yeah. You know, that that show was probably, in a way, my favourite just because of how big it was. Yeah. I think altogether there was something like 150 athletes across the different different categories. Yeah, yeah. Um, So in that sense, that was really cool. And and my my only goal was to fit in. Yeah. I wanted to To look at a place. Yeah, stand on the stage and just be like, you know what, I've done it. Yeah. And about two weeks before, my wife actually said to me, to me, Sure, mm. you don't look ready, and like, I don't feel ready. And then all of a sudden, within two weeks, everything pulled in quite well. Crazy, together. Isn't it? Oh, the last two weeks, every twenty four hours, you're, you're looking in the mirror, and it was different. It was different. Um, then obviously, a lockdown happened. Yeah. Um, and then got out of shape. Yeah, that messed a lot of people, people up. Yeah, then, yeah. Um, and then I said, "Oh, you know what? I'm going to go for it again." And I went for it in twenty twenty one. Did back to Bedford. The only show I did that year did novice classic. And won that. Yeah. 
and then didn't place in the Open, which I didn't expect to. Mm-hmm. Obviously, first time back in, you know, proper. In my opinion, it was the first time that I really took the competing seriously. Yeah, you'd gone for it. Really went for it. So um, then I also went to Holland. But yeah, headspace-wise, towards the end, mentally, I was absolutely done. Mm. Um, to the point where I wasn't me anymore. Yeah. And that was uh, quite hard. Was it just other people around you that were noticing it? Was you with your wife at the time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the wife noticed it. My mum and dad came down from, they live, live up near Blackpool. They came down because they were worried about me. They just, just wanted to see my pictures. Yeah. They said, like, your face was just, the lights were on, nobody was home. Right. And even when you look back at, you know, what should have been a happy occasion, winning the novice classic physique, I didn't look happy. You didn't, you couldn't enjoy it? Couldn't enjoy it. I look back at those photos now and think, wow. Mentally, I just wasn't. Do you remember how you felt then? Like, can you recognise, like, how... Was it, like, depression, anxiety? It was inadequacy, believe it or not. Oh, okay. Um, So feeling like I don't belong. Almost like um, imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, when I look at the other people on the stage, I'm like, well, how have I... How can I stand next to them? Even though you won, you still felt... Yeah, even though... Yeah, even now I look back at the guy who came second that year and I'm like, how did he not... Yeah. So my own mind, are, you, are you seeing a different view of yourself yeah, to everyone else is seeing? Absolutely. And I think that's quite common. Yeah. Uh, certainly within bodybuilding, you look at yourself and you think, at the time you might think, yeah, I look good. But when you look back, you're like, like, you end up tearing yourself apart. Oh, yeah. Um, I know that. But, yeah, so then I'd say five weeks out from bed for 2021 is where my mental health took a, took a turn. Um, I was on what is described now to me as a bikini girl diet. Uh-huh. So I was on 1,200 calories a day for about eight weeks. Jesus. Um, ultimately, gave myself an eating disorder. Right. At the same time, it was never Were diagnosed. Were you coaching yourself? No, no, I didn't have a coach. Oh, okay. Um, to be fair to the coach, I, I said to him what I wanted to achieve. Mm. And he said, what are you going to do to get there? And I said, whatever it takes. And I lost 28 kilos in 18 weeks. Yeah. I had it to lose. So in, in that sense, the coach did exactly what, what you I wanted to do. to do. Yeah, but obviously we're living on 1,200 calories as a man. I mean, it's very, very difficult. Even as a female, it's very yeah, difficult. Yeah, yeah. So, and that, and over a long period of time as well. Yeah. Um, to the point where I'd berate myself if I had an extra rice cake. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. 26. It's obsessive. Yeah, I'm massively, you know, a 26 calorie rice cake, I'd eat it and then be like, well, I'm going to have to go for a 20 minute walk now. yeah. That's where my mind, my mindset was, 2021 prep. Um, and like I said, the coach did exactly what I asked him to do. And I came away with three trophies that year. You got the results you got, went got for, the result yeah. I wanted. And then it's when, it really when we came out the other end. So like, yeah, don't get me wrong, the whole last five, last eight weeks of prep, the, the gap between Bedford and then going to Den Helder, that four weeks holding condition mm. was mind-numbing. Yeah. You know, Taking my daughter on her birthday to Alton Towers, taking my pack. Of, you know, as bodybuilders do, take our food. Yeah. That's not that's not unusual. Yeah, yeah. And what yeah. was unusual was the next day when, after doing thirty thousand steps at Alton Towers, not allowing myself to have a refeed meal and just being like, right, okay, I've still got to stick that. Even though I probably my output was probably five thousand calories a day before, I wouldn't allow myself to then have the extra the next day to sort of compensate. Yeah. Um. But then yeah, then coming out into off season was, or. Yeah, it was just hard. Yeah. Really. Gaining weight back on and being able to, and, and letting yourself eat more food and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and, really and then people around you don't understand. 
Um, well, unless, unless you're in the bodybuilding industry, you don't because you know, everyone else thinks you're crazy for doing it in the first place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, you know, um, my wife was really, my wife's been brilliant throughout all of it, really. She's the one that's held me together, really. Um, and my family, but because the understanding is not there, just eat normally. Mm. Just have a roast dinner on a Sunday. And, you, and you're looking at it and you're going, I, I can't. Yeah. You know, um, so I went through. Do you feel like you were. Like, scared of food. Mm. Yeah, like oh, fear. Oh, massively. You know, to the point where you're, you're saying to yourself, right, if I have a takeaway tonight, bear in mind, you're, you're in off-season, so yeah, you can have you that can kind have of it, thing. Yeah. And you're thinking, right, okay, if I have a takeaway tonight, it's probably going to be, you end up obsessing about the calories. You then research what might be in it, mm. try and work out what the calories are, to then go, right, I can offset that by doing X. Mm. And that's not what... I'll, that's, you're just constantly doing maths. Yeah, yeah constantly. Yeah, yeah. You know, I probably spent, if you look to my phone, you know, like when it tells you screen time, I use an app called MyNet Diary to track for, my, for myself and for my clients because as a coach, I can link into theirs. Yeah. Which is really helpful so I can sort of see if they're restricting, if they're doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you looked at my screen time, I'd say I was probably on that app for about 12 hours a day. It was yeah, genuinely obsessive, much. literally yeah. looking right, okay, when can I have my next meal? What, what can I have? And... To the point where I banned myself from using the app. Yeah. Because it was just taking over. Yeah, obsessive is an obsessive oh, behaviour. Massively so. Um, and that's probably why you didn't have the lights on for everyone else, because just, you know, you're just constantly mm. thinking about the calories and the input and the output. And, you, and yeah. you're just in a different place, different mind. And it just wasn't, well, it's not healthy. Yeah. Either, mentally or physically. Yeah, yeah. You know, if it wasn't for the fact of the muscle, you know, I, I, speaking, I, went, I went to counselling, I was speaking to them, and way that my body shape was, if I didn't have the muscle that I had, that I'd managed to build throughout the, sort of before the prep started, I would have probably, so I was 78 kilos when I came off stage in Holland two years ago. Without the muscle mass that I had, I would have been probably 58. Yeah, that's mad. You know, um, and that's when the the sort of counsellor spoke to me and said, look, right, let's have a look at what we can do. Because as a... Your build as a man, you know, forget about BMI, what doctors say, you should be 85. Yeah, because it's taking a toll on your organs then, isn't it? At the end mm. of the day, yeah, you've got the muscle there and you look a particular way, but when you've got no fat on your body at all, you you, you are damaging your body. Oh, massively. And then, you know, you, and you look in the mirror and you're like, all of a sudden, what, what, I, what I noticed the most being at that low body fat for a long period of time, because obviously... You're going to be at that body fat on stage. Mm, yeah, yeah. For you, a short period for of a short, time, So yeah. for a two, three, four week period, maybe, yeah. Mm. That's, you know, or however long your season lasts for. You know, I looked in the mirror and I, was, I had like hair all across my oh, forehead. Oh, yeah, that's a bad sign. All on my cheeks. Um, I mean, as a man, I'm hairier anyway. But to the point where the hair was growing in places that I'd never had it before, try and keep me warm. Yeah, that's a symptom of anorexia, it isn't is, it? Yeah. Anorexia people have a lot of yeah. facial hairs and stuff. Abs- yeah. Absolutely. That's... And that's because I, I didn't, no one told me to go to counselling. No yeah. one was pushing me in that direction. My wife Yeah, was, because I suppose it's hard for someone to identify from outside when you're doing it for a purpose and saying, well, I need to get this lean for a show. But then they don't see the psychological toll that it might take on after you've finished it, your actual exactly. show. Exactly. So when I, when I started... You like, probably told them to shut up every time they said, eat someone, you've gone, shut up, yeah, I'm yeah. competing. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, or, it's hard. I'm fine. I'm, I'm coming out of it. I'm coming out of the event. I'm just gradually building those calories up. That's what yeah. I'm doing. And you feel like you're in control of it, but you're not. Yeah. It's, it had a control on me. Uh, and, you know, the wife would say to me quite regularly, like, you know, you think you need some help? And I'm like, no, no, I'm all right, I'm all right, I'm fine. But she was the only one that I really confided in. Yeah. Because she saw 
we break down. Should we see you at the most vulnerable yeah, points? Yeah, the most vulnerable yeah. points. And like I say, it was when I looked in the mirror and saw the hair growing. Because I, I've trained people in the past with anorexia. I've trained people with bulimia. Um, I did a GP referral qualification for that reason to help people. Mm. Um, was this well, before you had your own experience? Yeah, this is before. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, so I've been a PT since I was 18. I'm now 35. Right. Um, but I did my GP referral because I wanted to help people that couldn't necessarily help themselves. Yeah. So I did a lot of work with like the Multiple Sclerosis Society. did a lot of work with Samaritans. And all those kind of things. So I wanted to help people, and I so I could see, I could when I saw it in me. Yeah, that was a wake up call. That was a wake up call I needed, and that's when I, I self referred for counselling and, and um, ended up going through um, CBT, so yeah, cognitive behavioural therapy, yeah. and that basically was just brutal for like 10, 10 11 sessions. Yeah, uh, writing down your feelings when you're eating food, so what you felt like before, what you felt like during, what you felt like after, and basically re, you know, rebalancing your brain to yeah. say right, I can eat. Um, and that was pivotal in my, in my recovery, if you like. And then I actually changed coach, not, f- not for the reason that I'd, you know, not for any negative reason, mm. but it's, it's actually who I met in Holland. So, um, Desiree, who runs, she, 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 I was talking to her post-show and saying about what, how I was struggling. And she was like, just like offered me a shoulder to cry on, just was really yeah. nice. And she said, she never once tried to poach me and say, look, let me coach you, let me do this. She was more cared just about me. Looking after you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And seeing how vulnerable you were. Um, and she said, look, I want to, I can help you, but I don't want to coach you because you've got a coach. Yeah. So I sat down with my wife and said, look, I want to compete again. And she was like, oh, yeah. No, I you're can not. Understand why she's yeah, oh, yeah. That, yeah. Uh, I was like, she's like, no, you're not. And I said, look, I've got a new coach. This is Desiree. This is what she does. Um, and you know she wouldn't work with me until I, she wouldn't let me start prep until I was mentally ready. Mm. So we did like a really long off season. We did from the March of last of twenty twenty one until hang on, no March of twenty twenty two until the November of twenty twenty three. October twenty twenty three was like that. So that like work. a year and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A year and a half before. I've eaten again. I've eaten again, and then prepped into prepped into the show in twenty for for Bedford. Um, but it was a completely different prep. My calories didn't go below 1,900 calories. Mm. Um, All the way till the show mm. day. Oh, that's good, yeah. So it only, only had two days where it was that low. The rest mm. of the time it was like two, 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 three. Yeah, perfect. Uh, which, as a man, was Just like... Just feels it, so much better. Oh, don't get me wrong. It was that, that gap between Bedford and Holland physically broke me this time rather than mentally. Mm. I was just physically done. You know, I've got three kids, two young, two young, young, two young children, one teenager... You know, and so running around after them all day, every day, my energy levels were just zapped anyway. Mm. But that's prep. That's, that, part that's of normal. It. That's normal. Yeah. That, it was what I'd class as like a normal. Yeah, a normal yeah. Prep. A normal struggle during prep is family, life balance, yeah, work yeah. balance, things like that. Um, and obviously, there is a little bit of psychological strain as well because you're putting your body and your mind under a lot of oh, pressure. Absolutely. So, what happened when you went to your, C, your CBT, is it CBT, yeah, yeah? counseling? Because um, I remember you saying that you have a diagnosis for the OCD. Yeah, so she diagnosed me with borderline OCD. Okay. And um, when as soon as she said it, and, I was, and after that session, I spoke to, to my wife and said, oh, I've been diagnosed. And she was like, well, duh. Oh, really? <laughs> like, How have you not picked up on this <laughs> She'd before? She'd seen it already. And she said, Tim, you, like, you're not, it's not, so when, you th- when people think of OCD, they think of people washing their hands constantly. Yeah, yeah. Or turning the light switch on 20 times before they go into a room. That is a version of OCD. Yeah. The borderline OCD that I have is things that have to be, um, it's very much a controlling thing. Not controlling over other people 
or controlling over jobs, but controlling over me. Yourself, yeah, yeah. You know, so patterns. Yeah, behaviours. Yeah. You know, you can control those behaviours. So for me, my OCD is very much about, you know, I, I won't go to bed until the kitchen's exactly how I want it to be. The front room has to be exactly, I lay out my clothes in a certain order. I prepare my food in a certain way. And it's really funny. Looking back now, it's really funny because we can see when I'm not very well mentally. Because it gets worse. Because the kitchen, you won't even tell me that I'm, even when I'm cooking there and then, you won't even know. Oh, really? So like Laura and my wife, Laura, my wife, she'd walk in and go, you having a tough day? Yeah. And I'd go, I'm right, why? And I'd look around and go, oh. Yeah. Because the kitchen is just spotless, even though I've oh, really? cooked, I could be cooking like a, a roast dinner and you wouldn't even know. I know you're doing it. You know, because that's, that's how my OCD sort of manifests itself is very much in controlling processes yeah. rather than controlling, like washing hands of other people or yeah, whatever. Yeah, because that is typically what I think of. If I say OCD, it's pe people checking the gases off like 20 times, making yeah, sure yeah. the doors are locked, locked and they have, yeah, like, yeah. they have certain amounts of times they have to check, check, check things and stuff like that. So when you, so say for instance, you, you you have one of your bad days and you're doing, you know, you're having your OCD moments. What sort of um, behaviours come off that? Do you find you get like really frustrated or angry or if someone messes up your space, do you have any sort of negative reactions? To yeah, that? so snappy. Snappy. I'm yeah. a really chill, I, I'm a really, really chilled out person 99% of the time. And most things go straight over. Mm. But when I'm in that process of I've just got something exactly how I want it to be, and then I'll come home from work and the kids have messed it up. Yeah, because it must be a struggle with three kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially a teenager as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she, yeah. So, it's, so yeah, so it's, it's more snappy. So, like, I'll get home and I'll be like, I spent ages doing this house, now look at it. Yeah, ah, and, then I'll, and then I won't be able to sit down mm. until it's done. Yeah. And, you know, it's like last night I got home from work. Um, and that wasn't, it wasn't messy in any means. It was just like lived in. Things were out of place. But things were out of place. And then it, I spent an hour doing it before... I started cooking my tea. Yeah. Whereas, and that's because I'm coming back off prep and, you know, mentally I'm strong enough, but I have days where... Yeah, you're going to have days you, is it, where it feels like it was in 2021. Yeah. But those days are small. Mm. So it might be... Are you able to more recognise it? Yeah. yeah. So I think because I can recognise it, I can then, I, you know, I put coping mechanisms in place. So when I'm feeling like that, I might go for a walk. Yeah. Um, and that's not a walk to burn the calories like it was... Yeah, it's not got a, <laughs> it's, it's not, a reason behind it's it. Not, it's not because I've had a chocolate bar, I've gone for a walk. It's because I need that just to clear my head. Yeah. Or um, certainly one thing that I've taken from the counselling that I still do every single night is I listen to, rather than um, watching TV in bed or whatever, I listen to meditation. Yeah. And it just calms the brain down, calms my mind down. It's something that the wife does as well because she's got ADHD, she, you know, so she, and, um, and she has this lecture as well. So her brain doesn't, her brain doesn't shut up. Same. You know, so, she, <laughs> so we, we must look, we must look hilarious. It's almost to watch us in our, in our house. I must think we're really funny because we both get into bed and we'll be like, night, headphones in. Yeah, we just meditate, meditate for half yeah. an hour before we go to sleep. Yeah. Um, it's a really good practice. It's a re I mean, for every, everyone, not, not just people that have got diagnosis for anything, but meditation is just so good for resetting your brain and oh, getting you in a really peaceful place before you go to sleep. Or taking you out of any angry situation, I use it quite a lot. Yeah, it's, re it's a really, really good cope mechanism. But yeah, so when when I'm triggered, it, it's not. It, it's very, to answer the initial question, it's very much just a snappy sort of. Then I won't be able to relax until I've sorted it. Yeah. Um, so you must get really exhausted at that point because you've had a long day and then you come home and you know, there's so much more things that are just winding you yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it depends where I am, what headspace I'm in. So How do you deal with that in your gym? I don't. <laughs> that must be hard. Yeah, I mean... Because people in gyms are messy. They are, especially... I mean, we took over this gym 
in end of July, early August. It's still quite new. Okay. So I'm still working full time and running the gym and bringing up a family and the wife's working full time and she helps at the gym too. Um, but when we took over, um, when I first walked into into the gym, if it wasn't for the gym equipment that he had, I wouldn't have bought it. Oh, really? Because it was, the mess was just unbelievable. We got rid of 35 bin bags of rubbish. There was just empty bottles and, oh. you know, like, and then uh, the carpet had like dog wee stains on it. Um, the toilets hadn't been cleaned in maybe... I, I, was it being used? Or was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, nice. Uh, so he had. So the the I've actually used to use the gym quite a lot whenever I used to travel back to the in-laws' house. I used to train there when he first opened, and it was amazing. Yeah. Then he basically he fell out of love with fitness. Yeah. He then started doing other jobs instead, and then just let the gym basically go to nothing. Yeah. So what we, what I found the hardest is not necessarily the actual gym itself, and we keep it in a in a certain way because I. That's fine. I can I do that in my the gym that I train at at home as well. Mm. Um, but it's more the mentality of the old members, getting them to switch from. Yeah. You've now got an owner that cares. Yeah. So like I'll come in if I've not been there for a couple of days. I'll go in on like Friday, and all the weight plate loading machines have still got all the weight plates on. Yeah. And it's just like ah. Put your weights back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's been it's, it's getting that message across without being passive aggressive. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard, you know. And my my gym, I've trained there for years, and we've never been one for putting our weights back. The whole gym's like it. Yeah. yeah. So I, when I went and trained into a new gym, and I see putting weights back, I thought, "You pretentious bastards! Why are you doing that?" <laughs> but it wasn't that I was. It's just it's just something I've never done, and I've yeah, never yeah. realised how much better it is when people offload their machines because. I'm just used to taking other people's weights off yeah, when I'm ready yeah, to train. Yeah. It's just something I've done for years. But yeah, when I trained at a new gym, I was like, oh, this is how you're meant to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, so that's something that I'm instilling in members is the fact that but they see me caring, they care. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So we, we spent ages getting the place clean. We refurbed it, we rebranded it. And we've got all the kit like reupholstered. We bought new bumper plates in, new weight plates in, new treadmills. The lady's shower didn't, wasn't working. I hadn't worked for six months. So... Mm-hmm putting your shower in, you know, yeah, so those things like that. So yeah, so at the gym, it's a struggle, but it's getting better because people are seeing, and also I'm very open, as you know, like, so I'll say to them, oh, do you mind putting, it's not you, it's me. Like, yeah, my yeah, OCD, yeah. can you put that back over there? Because that's where the 25s live. Yeah, yeah. That's where the 20s live, that's where the 50s, you know. Mm. And as I'm, as they're getting to know me, yeah, they're starting to re- respect it yeah, as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but yeah, I, I spend probably an hour every morning putting, the 15s, the 20s, the 25s back in the right places. Yeah. But, my but. kids, my kids got like, well, she's not diagnosed, but if we go shopping and stuff and there's like, you know, like the packs by the till, if they're all out of order, she'll just stand there and she'll start putting them all back. And I think, well, we wish you'd do that in your bedroom or yeah. in the house, do you know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah, she does it everywhere else, anywhere socially. She has to organise all the shelves yeah, and get yeah. ready. But I'm like, at home, you're a messy. Do you find that you're like, it's both the same. So obviously, if, do you get impelled, compelled to do things in public spaces? Sometimes, uh, it depends, depends where I am. So if it's a place that I go to regularly, then yeah. Yeah, okay. If it's a place that I'm just walking through, it doesn't... It wouldn't like, affect wouldn't, you. wouldn't affect me at all. I think also everyone's got their own little, even though I like, I'm very particular and things are in a certain place. And you have that one part where it doesn't matter. Yeah. Your brain just can just go, that doesn't matter. Yeah. And for some reason for me, it's the bedroom. Oh, okay, that's don't, good. Don't know why. It's your chill place. It's my chill place. So I don't. <laughs> whereas for my wife, it's the other way around. Downstairs is, is her her safe haven is the bedrooms. So yeah. She has to have things particular <laughs> in the bedroom. So between the two of us, 
it's, it can be a nightmare if things aren't in the right place because she'll go into the bedroom and go, everything's everywhere. And I'm like, it's fine. It's fine to me. Even yeah, though, even it's, though not, it's, it's, not, it's not fine. <laughs> so I think when I'm out and about, I might walk through a place and be like, like I won't go through Primark. Or TK Maxx, because, you know, I can't, I can't walk through it. TK Maxx is worse, oh my like, God. I just, don't go, just don't, I just don't go there. Yeah. Because it would, it, it would trigger, it yeah. would trigger. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not much sure. Do you, know, do you, have you done any sort of like timeline therapy or anything to sort of note, notice that where the, that point was where you started to be, have the OCD tendencies and... and yeah, it? it's really hard to pinpoint because I've always been particular about trainers Mm. I've always been particular about my clothes. I'd have a meltdown when I was younger if I got a bit of mud on my trainers, which says, when you're a boy and you're playing football and you're yeah, running around. always get muddy. Yeah, muddy. And I'd go home and I'd be like, mum, mum, my trainers, my trainers, my trainers, my trainers. Do so you remember having um, those sort yeah. of feelings from a really early age? I think age. I get it from my, my, from my dad, because my dad's, my dad's got um, bipolar. Okay. Um, and he's very much, very particular, you know, because you go into, I remember going into his study, even like a couple of years ago as, as an adult and like, I use his pen and put his pen back. And he's like, Tim, where's my pen? And I was like, Dad, it's just there. Well, that's not where it lives, it's there. You know, so that's obviously where yeah, I get it from. Yeah. But for me, it's, when I was younger, it's more about possessions rather than bedroom or kitchen. It was how, yeah. how I was presented. I didn't like being dirty. Mm. If I was playing football, fine, but as soon as I finished, yeah. boom, I'll have to be Straight back. Into yeah. But I suppose your house and your home and your gym is a possession now because yeah. as an adult, that's our, yeah. it's yours. Yeah, it's not yeah. your family home. It's what you own. So you've obviously had those symptoms your whole life, but only really recognised it in adulthood. Yeah, I think prep brings it out, doesn't it? Pre oh, prep, prep brings out your best and your worst. Yeah, it, without, without a doubt, yeah. Um, I realised I hated a lot of people in prep. <laughs> I fell out with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. You, you, it really does it, doesn't it? Because you, you, you don't have the patience You haven't got time for, for bullshit. bullshit. Yeah. No, honestly, genuinely. I, was like, I just don't have time for this to ruin in my frame of mind right now. Yeah, so, yeah. Especially on your good days. You know, when you have like, so there are good days and bad days in prep, isn't there? You know, where yeah. on your good days, things are like, even though you've got low energy and you go into the gym, you smash your workout, you, you might have got close to a PB, even though you're 10 kilos lighter than normal. And then you walk out and then someone, I don't know, they, the car runs across and it splashes you with water. It ruins your day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff that normally wouldn't matter yeah. in prep becomes like, there, Ten times worse, know. yeah. I just have to keep myself away from most people when I'm on prep. <laughs> <laughs> just lock, lock yourself away. Yeah, go just... to the gym, eat my food, go to bed, that's it, yeah, the last yeah. little weeks. So you're, um, when did you, so when you had the OCD diagnosis, did was that at the same time as the dysmorphia? Yeah, the body dysmorphia, yeah. So, um, the, have, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but how do they diagnose that? What, body dysmorphia? Yeah. It's what, so basically what they, what, what she did with me was it was a questionnaire uh -huh. and it was like uh, very much about what you feel like when you look in the mirror, what you feel like when you put clothes on, what you feel like when you stand next to somebody who's probably comparable to you in okay. looks, in physique wise or, you know, and then, you know, I'd show pictures of me in the show and they'd go, well, what do you see when you see that picture? And I'd say, I see skinny, skinny man. Right. Okay. And what do you see when you see this picture? And they'll get someone up with exactly the same weight. Is it what I was? And I say, what do you see? And I say, I see a muscular man. Mm. Well, you are pretty much the same. Same, but you're not seeing but that. I'm not seeing that. It's crazy, so isn't it? So in this country, they in America, they wouldn't have diagnosed me. I did, I've done so much research. I've got like notes and notes and notes on my phone. I, even now, so that I can help other people, mm. I read it and read it and read it. And in America, they don't die. They wouldn't have diagnosed me as body dysmorphic. They diagnosed me as muscular dysmorphic. Okay. Which yeah. is basically where you either see skinny or fat. You don't see what's actually in front of you. So 
standard body dysmorphia is very much like you just don't like what you see in the mirror. Yeah. You see something completely different to everybody else. Clothes look like they're baggy, whatever it might be. Whereas for me, it's very much like I look in the mirror and go, I'm skinny. Yeah, you're looking skinny, at the, the skinny. muscular size. Yeah, yeah. Or look how bloated I am, even though mm. I'm not bloated. You know? Yeah. Um, so I got the diagnosis on exactly the same day, okay. which was really bizarre. Yeah. So we, we spent about six weeks together, me and the council, six sessions. And then um, we sat down on this seventh, I think it was like the seventh session. She went, right, okay. Got a couple, they're not official diagnosis because they're not going through the doctors. It's a, it's a psychiatric diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. It's slightly, I don't know how it differs, but she said it's not, you don't need medication for it. You don't, you know, whatever. Um, and she said, so... I think you've got body you've got body dysmorphia because of what you know, your symptoms that you display and there's not really much that we can do to help that. You've got to, it's, it's you that's got to rejig your brain. We can tell you, you you you're gonna seek approval from other people. That's what you that's what that's normal. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but what the one that said that we can work with that I want to work with the most is your is your borderline OCD because that's if we can work on that, then the other bits fall into place. Mm. And actually, bodybuilding brought out that didn't cause the body dysmorphia. Because I said, cause again, when I spoke to Laura and said, oh, I've been diagnosed with body dysmorphia. And she was like, Tim, you grab yourself at your hips or your waist or you say how small you look. You've been saying that since we met nine years ago, 10 years yeah. ago. And she said, I've been telling you for years you've got that. And I said, well, I, didn't, I don't believe you, whatever. So you feel like the, the bodybuilding brought, brought it out of the... Yeah. already there. It was yeah, just, you it, got recognised more. Yeah. It, uh, it escalated. Yeah, so that's... emphasised it, maybe? Yeah, I think it just brought it to the forefront of my mind because you because you, you have to critique yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's all it's about. That's, that's about. the whole sport. You know, the whole... The whole and, and in that sense, it's brutal, isn't it? You know, it's, it, it is. It's brutal. You know, you go stand on stage in front of complete strangers in the smallest pants known to man and then wonder why you feel a bit and crappy. And literally everyone's pointing at you and saying, right, that bit's too fat, yeah, that yeah. bit's too or you small. Get, or you get your feedback and the feedback is that you need to be more muscular and one of your... One of your default settings is I'm not muscular enough anyway, and then they're telling you not muscular. Yeah, massive trigger. trigger, You know, so yes, it brought it out for me, but I I I fully believe that it's actually saved me from it as well, because it's allowed me to to release it in a healthier way now. Yeah. Uh, Now that I've learned how to do that, it can be. I think people can. It can be very negative for people, and that's why you know that's why I bought the gym. I know because I I see it in other people. I want to see people walking that have got. Come from all different walks in life that have had mental health issues, depression, anxiety, personality borderline, this personality disorder, whatever it might be. Yeah, and I want them to be able to come into a, a, a sanctuary almost, like a safe place. Safe yeah. place. And so we so we, we we called our gym Iron Eden. Okay. So Iron for the weights, lifting, and Eden, the Garden of Eden. This is going to be a sanctuary for people. Oh, nice. So for me personally. Exercise saved my life. I've got no Same. doubt. I've got yeah, no yeah, doubt yeah, about that in that. my mind. I've, I've had anxiety probably my whole adult life, and I've been on different medication that just numbs you, doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to be able to then give that back. Yeah. And, and say, get it from uh, experience. Like mm, give it back from an, and help others because you can do it. Exactly. And I've probably, I'd say since we took over, I've had probably 10 members join. They know who they are, and they're going to be watching this. So I'm not going to say names, obviously I won't say their names, but they'll know who they are. So I've spoken to them individually, and when they first walked into my gym, they were a shell. Yeah. Hi, can um, can I join? Mm. Uh, and then 
now they walk into the gym and it's like they they announce themselves on the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, hi, hi, and yeah, talking it's lovely, to everyone. It's nice to see people grow so much. Yeah, and forget about body goals and way that you look. That is the win. That's the flex for yeah, me. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, 100%. Is that, that change in mindset? And if I can change one person's mindset around exercise, I can then change their mindset around nutrition. And it's very easy for, as a coach... And I'm sure you're probably the same as well when you, when you see other people coaching as well. If you're a bodybuilder, it's very easy to try and coach people to be a bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. But actually, 99% of your client base is going to be lifestyle. Yeah, aren't bodybuilders, yeah. They're not, they've got no dream yeah. to be bodybuilders. So, why, so when people are writing diet plans for people, they're writing training plans for people, step counts, they're doing it as if they want to be a bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. They don't. I think about how the lifestyle, how their lifestyle is, and what their goals are really, and have that individual approach, it, don't it, you? Exactly, and then actually look at them and say, right, okay, let's enjoy life. Yeah, well. balance. You know, like, like yeah, have a good balance. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to go out on a Friday night, uh, people always laugh at me when I say this, but if you want to go out on a Friday night and have ten pints of lager. Yeah. Go let's, out on a Friday let's night. Factor and it in and make it work. Let's factor it in, make yeah. it work. Just don't do it every night. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's just finding that balance, isn't it? I've got a few like older, like a I say older, over thirty-five ladies. So obviously, you know, we've got premenopausal, you know, problems with hormones and things, and saying to them, "Oh no, you can have two. I have an off-plan meal at the weekend, and I have like a mid-off-plan mid- yeah. midweek. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, "Well, I could have that," and I'm like, "Well, yeah, like that. That can work as long as you're putting the work in and you're not binging and things like that, and you've got everything else in place. There's no reason you can't live a normal, happy life. So you don't have to diet for the rest of your life. No, that, that's that's a problem. We're we're conditioned, aren't we, by social media, by Certainly, in some cases, doctors, GPs, telling you you've got to be a certain weight, you've got to be a certain activity level, where actually, it's about what's right for you. Yeah, it's individual. Like, you can put you can put five people on the same diet and they'll all have different results. Absolutely. Their body and their lifestyle is completely different. Absolutely. And, I, you know, like I say, when I'm in off-season, like, I, I, I'm, like I'm just on my reverse diet, that's now finished. We're now full pedal, head, like full, full pedal down. We're going for it. We're going for as much trying to get to the 100 kilo mark so I can go into bodybuilding next time I'm out rather than classic physique. Mm-hmm. You know, and now I'm there, I'm going to be having off-plan meals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to be enjoying, my, like I like say, a mini one midweek might have like, I don't know, go out and go to OK Dinering or whatever on the A1 or then on a Saturday it might be a takeaway with a pudding. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You've got to have that balance because you spend so long in prep and so long restricting what you're doing, you need to have that release otherwise you're just going to go crazy. Yeah, you will. And I've seen it happen a lot as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, haven't we all? You know, it's, yeah. it, and, it, and then because we're conditioned that we have to be on a diet, we have to look, look, look a certain way. So someone said to me, um, one, of my, one of my clients said to me last week, oh, Tim, I need to lose a stone. Why? Yeah. Well, because I need to lose a stone. Okay, tell me why. And they go, um, because we, well, because before I had children, I, I, was, I was nine stone. I said, how long ago was that? 15 years ago. Mm. Okay. Well, your body shape's changed, your hormones have changed. The likelihood of you getting down to that weight is healthily mm. is very, very unlikely. But what, so why, but why do you want to be a stone lighter? Oh, because I want to get into that dress. Okay. Well, your goal is to get into that get dress. Get into the dress. Yeah. Don't look at the scale. So if I said to you, I can get you into that dress, but you'll weigh exactly the same, if not maybe a little bit heavier than what you are now, will you be happy? Well, yeah, of course I will. Mm. So exactly, we're so conditioned about being a certain weight yeah. that that causes anxiety for people, it causes an unhealthy relationship with food so that they can bring their weight down to what they were pre-kids or what they were when they're 18. Mm, I agree 
you, you know, yeah. and then anxiety starts, depression starts, restriction starts, energy levels go low, especially, especially in women, because obviously women have the cycle, they have the, the hormone changes. I've literally yeah. just booked on to do um, a women's hormone specialist course okay, so that I can help those people that are going through either pre or postmenopausal or, or the other side of the spectrum when you're going from being a teen, you know, a, a young a young lady into a young adult. Yeah. Uh, you know, it plays a massive, massive part. And people do struggle. Well, women do struggle. Um, they sort of like plateau and they're like, oh, I don't know what to do here. And you're like, well, we need to look at the diet. We need to switch things up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It might necessarily just not be your training. We can look at, you know, changing your fats and stuff. Oh. And it's crazy how much of a difference it can make. And yeah, I agree with you and what you say on like looking on the scales. I have that so many times. Women will be like, oh, haven't lost any weight. Let's look at your, let's look at your measurements. Look at your, let's how look at how you look. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I can see a tricep. Oh, I can yeah, see, like, yeah. a little shoulder cap. That's why it's so important. I mean, when I do check-ins with my clients, I do three, the three factors, the photos, yeah, the measurements, bit, yeah, the yeah. weight. Because ultimately, at some, at some point, it's very unlikely that all three are going to stagnate. Mm. But certainly two out of the three could. So your measurements might stay the same, your weight might stay the same, but you look at your photos and go, wow. Yeah. Or the vice versa or, or whatever. But it's like I say, it's just so dangerous for people to get obsessive over the scales and you see it all the time. Like I say, I, was, I, had, I had the scales by the side of my bed where I was weighing myself at night and in the morning. Yeah, that's too much. You know, and then... That I, starts getting in your head. I, I mean, I don't weigh myself anymore at all. At the moment, I don't. I will want to go on prep, but I don't want to go right it, now. <laughs> that's, that's different. I mean, you're doing it for a purpose, aren't you? you know? Yeah, yeah. So when, I, so when I was weighing myself through prep this time, I knew I had to, I had to be under 87 kilos. To compete in classic physique. Yeah. As soon as I got underneath that 87 kilos, the weighing stopped or slowed down. It, yeah. You know, up to that point, I was weighing very, very regularly. Got down to like 86, and we said, right, okay, we'll just weigh every every week now rather than every two days or, or whatever because you're under the weight now. Yeah, yeah. Let's focus on, let's focus on condition. Yeah, yeah. But we need to make sure we're not going to go too high, so that we'll do we'll keep the weight in weighing in once a week rather than. Yeah, I mean, we're quite lucky in ladies because we don't have our weights. We don't yeah, have weight yeah. categories. We just have. Shape categories, I think. I think that's basically what it is, isn't it? It is basically, yeah. 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 yeah so, so, yeah. So that's that, that's where sort of. I've yeah. So I think a lot of people would have said a lot of people. I do know a few females that have competed and ended up with eating disorders. From yeah, them. yeah. And a lot of people do a lot of negative talk behind bodybuilding, and it can give you eating disorders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's good to hear that you've actually come back from that and used it and obviously dealt with it and been able to actually, like, I'm going to stop doing something I love because I have the dysmorphia or the OCD. Yeah. Like, like, let's work around it. Let's learn how to sort of like conquer it and work and, and, with it. And use it, use it as a, a, you know, the fact that OCD, because I am so straight line. Yeah, use it I as a use positive. That, use that like, to my advantage. You know, mm. the fact that I can plan my day pretty much through prep making sure that I fit everything in, making yeah. sure that I fit in time with the family, making sure that I fit in going for a walk with the kids, taking them to the park, go, you know, whatever whatever it might be that day. You can use that. It's almost like a superpower. Do you write, Do you have to plan your day? Do you have, like, lists and stuff? Do you, feel um, like, do you schedule sort of things like that? I can sometimes. I've, not so much now, but when, I was, when, I wasn't, when I'm not well, mm. you'll always know when I'm not well because I, Laura will get a message. I'll get up with the kids in the morning, say, on, on a Sunday, and if I'm having a bad day, I'll send her a message when she wakes up. Right, today we're doing one, two, three, four, five, and I'll list that and out. And if it goes wrong, all else Yeah, yeah. Quickly. And I'll say, this is what we need to do today. And then she'll get up and she'll get up and say, don't need that, Tim. I'm yeah. like, okay, I know, but it's just for me. It's for me, all right. So yeah. Whereas when I'm, not, when I'm not going through like an episode, I'll write things down so I don't forget. Mm, yeah, I'm like that. But I that's about it. I won't, I, won't, I won't like I won't say, schedule. I won't say like 10 o'clock. 
Yeah. It would just be like, right, at some point today, Tim, you need to phone the doctors because you've got to do this. you got to, you know, some mm-hmm. point today, the showers need cleaning at the gym. Right, okay. Whereas when I'm not good, I'll literally have it by the hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I have to write lists because I've got ADHD, so I literally have to plan my days. Otherwise I'll, f- like, forget and also get really overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that having those tools, like those OCD, well, they're not OCD tools, but tools like that, how it does help me on prep because obviously you have to write, you do have to write, you've got your diet plan, you have to yeah, sit yeah. you've got to weigh everything and those behaviours are part of prep anyway. So there's probably like a hundred times worse, obviously, if you've got the borderline. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely using those, I mean, I have to force it, so <laughs> I yeah, have to I mean, really force well, it. I suppose, I mean, I've learned a lot about ADHD over that. My wife got diagnosed only two years ago. Yeah. So she would have been 31 when she got a diagnosis of ADHD. A lot of the older people are now. Yeah, yeah, it's become, it's become, I don't want to say popular, it's not the right word, but it's become common. (laughs) It's become become quite common now for for girls that didn't get, certainly for girls, it's harder to, from what I've been reading and researching, girls display it different to boys. Boys Yeah, boys boys were the naughty ones, weren't they? They have hyperactivity, they get put on the Ritalin to calm them down or or whatever. With women, it's it's completely different. It's more like away with the fairies, not being able to like concentrate. And then all of a sudden you get the hyper-focus. Yeah. And then you don't stop until that particular task is done in its entirety 10 times over. Yeah, And I've really seen that in Laura over the last sort of two years as I've been reading it. And, you know, she did, she would do like, I don't know, roller skating as a fitness tool. And she'll do it, and she'll hyper focus on that, and then she'll buy like the best, the best boots, the best knee pads, <laughs> that's you know. Me. Yeah. And then and after about two or three months, she'll be, oh, I'm going to go to running now. I'm and do it's, this, the ne- yeah. it's the next hyper focus. Oh, next it's exhausting. Focus. Honestly, yeah. it's so exhausting because I genuinely think every single time I do it, I'm like, well, that's me. And that's what you know what for me, bodybuilding was such a good thing because when I finished my <coughs> prep. I was like, oh my God, I've actually finished something yeah, yeah. for the first time in my life. Because like that, like your wife, I hyper-focused on so many, many different projects constantly. And I was so overwhelmed because I couldn't put my attention to just one thing. So when I done my bodybuilding, I was like, whoa, like this I've is... It, yeah. I've actually done it and I've done it like three times now. And I'm like, wow, I'm so proud of myself that I was able to actually push through that because it's, obviously it's difficult as well. But just, yeah, as soon as I competed... I knew I was then able, I knew I was capable of putting my mind into other things as well as business, relationships Absolutely. and life. And then I was like, right, this, that was my point. Life-changing point for me was, was bodybuilding and competing and being on stage. Uh, it, it, does, I, you know, it does get a bad rep, a bad rap, doesn't it, bodybuilding? But it does have that, in my mind, that that real positive connotation where you know, it gives you that drive, that belief. Yeah, it's it's one of the hardest things that I've ever done. Oh, like, it is the hardest thing yeah, I've ever done. the hardest thing I've ever done, massively. For being someone... You know, being someone that was so insecure about my body and stuff and being able to stand on a stage in a bikini um, and be judged just purely on the way I looked. Yeah, very difficult, very challenging. It's very, it's very fulfilling, isn't it, at the time? Before mm. before the judging. <laughs> before, <laughs> you know, when you when you get your tan on and you stand there with your coach or your, your partner, whoever's there with you on the day, and you stood there and you stood in that power pose yeah, and you yeah. just get on stage. There's something quite empowering about that and that... It's, some, it's almost like a drug feeling. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, like feel good, the, the, you know, the, the endorphins, the dopamine's getting released and you're feeling amazing. Well, it's uh, your time to shine, isn't it? Yeah. It's your all time that, to present yourself. All that time that you put in, yeah. all that effort, all that dedication, all the, you know, I don't know whether many men would admit to it, but through prep, all the tears that you have as well, because, you know, mm-hmm. it's so emotionally draining, so emotionally battering. That, you know, there's times where you, you don't feel good enough and you're in tears and you're... You know, I, I remember watching an interview with even like Chris Bumstead, who's arguably probably the best bodybuilder to ever walk this planet. Yeah. 
two weeks before the Olympia in 2021. And he got, um, he was just backstage with his, with his fiance in the toilets in tears because he didn't feel good enough. Aww. And that's Chris Bumstead, who, when you look at him... You'd never think he would be questioning himself like that. He's, well, he's a five-time Olympia champion, but he still has that doubt. Yeah. You know, which is unbelievable. I feel like the higher level you get, the more bloody, like, scary and ups and fearful it must be, to be fair. Um, yeah. The first time I went on stage, I was literally like... I just felt like I want to go on stage. I'm not here to win. Yeah, like yeah. It was just about me going on stage and presenting myself at the best I've ever looked. Yeah. Um, and then the second or the third time, it was a bit, little bit more competitive. And then I was like, yeah. you're sort of like feeling that point of, oh, I will feel disappointed unless I, unless I place, unless I get in the top well, three and stuff uh, like absolutely. that. Absolutely. I mean, a perfect example of that would be um, this, this year, I, I jumped into a show last minute. And I thought, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm feeling... I was on stage, I felt really confident. I was like, yeah, I smashed this. I came fifth. Oh, really? You know, I came fifth and, and the feedback that I got from the judges at the time, I, I was a bit like, don't necessarily agree with you. And then actually the next week, when I, it was week before Bedford, and then actually when I did my peak week for Bedford and I got on stage for Bedford, I was like, yeah, I can see what they mean, actually. Yeah, my, leg, my, legs weren't, my legs weren't quite in or, what, or whatever. Mm. But, you know, it is that expectation. You, 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 you win a category or you get top three or tops, you know, if you're in a big category, top six, whatever it might, that then becomes the expectation. Yeah. Then as you, you take a step up into the next level, if you like, to so the next federation that's probably maybe slightly more competitive, you still have that same expectation. And, yeah, yeah. and then that can be really mentally quite damaging as well when, you, when you're stood next to someone and you're like, oh, I think I'm better than you and you beat me. It's, mm. it's a competitive nature, but also psychologically... It takes a lot. It takes a lot. And it takes a lot to be able to come off and not win and still want to do it again and still yeah, work yeah. on yourself and go again and just yeah, keep yeah. pushing and pushing. Like one of our friends just got his uh, pro card recently and I watched him. We thought he was going to get it the sweet season before and he didn't. And I thought he's going to give up, you know. Yeah, he, yeah. You know, he was just like, and then literally come back this year, smashed it. And he just looks, yeah, it was just a great feeling to see him to win. Yeah, yeah. And I look back, it's like three, I think three or four years he's been competing to see this, the changes over the last four years. Oh, he, yeah. He's got his own business coaching now. He's, you know, obviously he's got pro card and it, yeah, do, it does. It gives you that drive, doesn't it? I think in any sport does. I mean, you know, I used to play semi-pro football. Before that, I used to play um, high-level squash. I think when you've got I that, love squash. It's a great game. I can't play it, but I really love watching people play I, it. I, I, can't, I can't play it now. I ain't got the fitness for it. It's far too heavy. It's agility, think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, um, I think when, you, when you've got a sporty mentality or you're an athlete or something like that, it gives you that drive in sport, but it also gives you that drive in life as well. Oh, 100%, yeah. You know, if you said to me five years ago, Tim, you're going to be a European champion bodybuilder. Yeah, okay, it's not... I'm not talking amateur Olympia sort of level, but still, yeah, it's still so a European yeah. champion. You can have your own business a gym, you're going to be looking like you're going to get a second gym in the future, you're going to be self-employed, you're going to have three kids, you're going to be ma married, you know, I, I laughed at you, you know, yeah. I look back to 10 years ago, literally just before me and the wife met, I was in debt, I was low, I was, you know, I said, okay, I had, my, I had my eldest child still, you know, to the point where either she ate or I ate. Yeah, so yeah, she struggling, ate, yeah. You know? And you look like, and I think now, 10 years later, I'm not saying it's all down to bodybuilding because it's not. It's, it's meeting the right people, putting yourself on the right path, and yeah. you know, believing in yourself. Man, and I'm, it sounds cheesy, but manifesting that life. Yeah, I'm you know, a massive I, manifester. You know, I, I was working at Virgin Active as a self-employed personal trainer, earning two hundred pound a month. Yeah, if I was lucky. Yeah, mad. You know, and I, all I was ever dreaming about at that point was having my own gym and helping people and helping other trainers. 
Yeah, yeah. and I was, you know, I was having this conversation with one of my friends because we we're opening our own gym and wellness centre actually in, in January. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm opening my own and she's coming to work with me. Where's um, that, is that down here? It's or? in Fenny, yeah. So uh, we're doing like wellness uh, retreats and ice baths and saunas and things like that and gym and PT. But we were just saying like how amazing it is to work in an industry that we where we can help people yeah, yeah, and yeah. for it to be, you know, be able to pay our bills from that, you know, Absolutely, working yeah. in that industry and knowing that we're doing something good for other people. There's nothing, I've worked in so many industries where it's been about money and I've made good money from it and it's been like soul destroying. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I wake up every day and I love what I do. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I've, I've been manifesting that for last year. I said I was going to open a wellness centre and here we are, you know, it's yeah, happening. Yeah. So. Well, the, the gym that I bought is really funny actually. Um, I went there with my brother-in-law probably about a month or two after the guy opened the gym up. Mm. Um, and I said, to, I said to my brother-in-law at that time, I said, I'm going to this gym one day. Oh, so you knew? I said, Is that this, I know? <laughs> this, gym, this gym's going to be mine. And he's like, you live miles away. I said, I don't, I don't care. This gym's great, but it could be amazing. Yeah. You know, and I've got some ideas. Level ide- it up. Yeah, I've got some amazing ideas that I'm going to be, that I'm going to be doing, hopefully doing as the business grows. I mean, we've taken it from, we've, we took over, with 20, there's 25 diet limit members left. Oh, wow. So it was really low, because yeah, obviously yeah, everyone yeah. got fed up and left. We're now at 105 diet limit members since, since August. Whoa, that's so classic. you know, and the the best thing about it all isn't the, just because we're now making money. Yeah, the best thing about it all is that people are talking. Yeah, you know, it's people, like a community. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the people are going are getting people coming from other gyms just to come and meet, just to come and meet us. Not even to join up. Sometimes yeah. they just oh, we've heard that you're new in the area, and we're you know we've heard that you do this, you do bodybuilding, all about mental health. Just come to say hello. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, you know, which area is it again? So it's in Louth, which is um, the most northern part of Lincolnshire you can get. Oh, before okay. you, so it, if anyone don't know where, doesn't know where Louth is, you've got Lincoln, you've got like Market Rays, and you've got Louth, then you've got Grimsby. I know Market Rays and there's a race course there. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, so it's, about, it's about half an hour from that race course. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but, so for me, it's all about getting those people in there and actually training and actually learning, learning as well. Cause I find yeah. a lot of time in coaching people want, just want you want, like you say, it's all about money. Yeah. Don't yeah. get me wrong. The yeah. business has got to succeed for yeah. me to be able to progress it and for me to survive. Yeah. yeah. But too many personal trainers will keep hold of somebody when they don't need to oh, give them yeah, the education. The learning journey yeah. They need, yeah. You know, if you've got a goal of running a marathon, I'll help you run that marathon. Once you've got the, the tools you need, Go I'll, I'll still support you, mm. but Go do it on your own because yeah. you've got the knowledge now. Yeah. Come back to you when you've got a new goal. Yeah, I think when I first started training, I was with Johnny G, good old Johnny G. Um, and I done, I think I'd done six months worth of personal training with him. And it sort of got to the point where I was like, I don't really need, like he taught me so much in that time. And yeah, I've yeah. not had any personal training since then because I was able to learn enough in that point. And that's exactly what I'm like with my clients. It's going to get to a point where you're not going to need me to teach you how to do these exercises anymore. Yeah, yeah. You can do what you want. However, if you want me to come and absolutely batter you for an yeah, hour. Well, then that's fine. Then I'm well, yeah, I'm that. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, had, I had one client when I went to Virgin Active that wanted to, he had to lose, I think it was like five stones to have an operation. He was that, they wouldn't, oh, okay. they wouldn't operate on him. So I got him to lose the five stones for the operation. He had the operation. He came in like a new man. I said, right, we're done. He was like, no, we're not. Uh-huh. So we, I said, we are, we're done. We got your goal. You did what you wanted to do. I'm gonna, you, you've got the knowledge now to continue that weight loss journey with what I've done. No, 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 no. We're carrying on. We're gonna, we're gonna go do a marathon next. We're gonna, you know, then that's great. And then you can educate that person on that level, Mm. and then the next one, and then the next one. But it's, it's too. 
I don't want to be a business that holds on to, to a client just because I've got a bill to pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because ultimately, that, you know, you're going to get better response from people, better membership rates, better retention rates. It keeps rates. your work nice and varied as well, doesn't it? Because there's yeah. nothing worse than doing the same shit every day. I can't do the same you shit see, You see day, on your floors, don't you? The personal trainers doing the same session with who they had at 7 o'clock in the morning, and they're doing that same session with somebody at 7 o'clock at yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, And you're like, how's that personal? How's yeah, that personal? I can't do it. I literally can't even train more than twice a day for personal training, to be honest, because I don't feel they're going to get their full... They won't get there for me. I'm because of my ADHD. I have to. <laughs> I'm like here, there, and everywhere. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like my focus is only really around 120 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very similar. I wouldn't want to be back to back hour. No, back, it's not. Know. It's not beneficial to you or the client because you don't. Right. You just end up just hating what you're doing, and then they don't get the best part of you. So exactly. Yeah, I just like quality. Uh, is it quant- quality over quantity? Quality over quantity. Absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. So, what are your goals now for moving forward? So what, business You're going 100kg, right? 100kg in this off-season. I'm sat at about... Are you sure you're in a better place now? Like, mentally and... Oh, yeah. I mean, there's still, yeah. still, still, I say it's still, still days. days. yeah. You know, um, in fact, I think it was... Um, I can't remember what day it was now. A couple, last week sometime, and uh, Laura said, we get a takeaway tonight? And she just saw my face drop. She's like, it's okay. Yeah, you, you, you can, allowed you, it. You allowed it now? Yeah. Um, and I said, okay, I'll have a takeaway. And then, then after, she's like... That wasn't a takeaway. Because I had like grilled chicken, pita bread and spinach. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, but I got it's it from the takeaway. Yeah, I got it from the, from the kebab shop rather than cooking it myself. Yeah, I have that on prep. Yeah, yeah. She's like, she's like, that's not a takeaway. I said, I know, but hey, it's a step. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, a, let, it's let, just the word sometimes, isn't it? Mm. Takeaway, to sit down and eat a meal and, and it's have a different name and, on and it. And with, with the OCD level, it's letting someone else control what I'm eating. Yeah, Rather yeah, than me, yeah. you know. So there are still days, but no, mentally wise... Um, Every now and then, if I step on the scale and I go, "Ooh, that's quick," mm. but I, you know, it's just me working and working and working my way to get. I got to ninety six last off season, and I got stuck at ninety six, and that wasn't stuck because of mentally stuck because I just couldn't eat anymore. Yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. I'm starting at heavy. So last time I started on seventy eight kilos post age. This year I'm starting at eighty four. I started at eighty four and a half post age. Better starting point. So yeah. better starting point. So to get to ninety six should be quite easy. To get to hundred should be be tough, but we'll yeah. So, mm-hmm. so the goal, 100 kilos. And um, you've got GPO next year, GBA. I'm not competing next year. Oh, you're not competing think. next year, having a whole year off? Potentially. Yeah. We'll see. Me, me and the coach are going to sit down and talk about it. Yeah. It all depends, for me, if I'm going to do classic physique again, I can I can do it next year. Mm. Because I, I can put on three kilos. Ooh, you're, so you're starting to do the routines now? The, uh, if you're going to body uh, classic, you're gonna. Is that where they do the full routine? I, I do that anyway. I do. Classic. Oh, do that anyway. Oh, okay. Sorry. So yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Do the one minute routine. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did that. So yeah. Classic physique. I did this time round. I had about. I was 84 kilos on the state. Well, on weighing, and I can be 87 with GBA. Mm. GBA now, isn't it? GBA. Yeah. yeah. GBA. I could be 87.2. So I, if I'm going to compete next year, I can do classic physique. If I'm deciding to go into bodybuilding. Instead, I need to have more weight behind me. Yeah. Because yeah. it was okay being at 84 kilos on the off show, but I want to be as close. If I'm doing under 90s or light or medium, whatever, whatever class two, I think PCA call it, whatever it is, mm. then I'm going to need to be close to that 90 on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So therefore, I need to go a bit heavier in off season. Need to be big. Need to eat more. Eat more. It's just, hard though, isn't it? I just got my new diet plan for yesterday, actually. Uh, is it good? Are you excited? I'm, I'm very, I'm very, I'm just thinking, when, when am I going to work? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a full time job just eating, it isn't is it? It is literally having like an alarm set to just yeah. remember to eat meals. I think, I think it's, uh, I, I can't remember the exact 
this is this is how much better I am now. I couldn't tell you exactly what the calorie range is now. Yeah. I've got it I've got it at home written down. Yeah, but it's not stuck in your brain, like, you're where, not obsessive. Whereas last off season I was like, right, so I'm I'm now on four thousand two hundred, I'm on this for six weeks, then it's gonna change to four thousand seven hundred and fifty. Then it, I'm on I'm on about four and a half. Yeah. So that tells you where, I, where <laughs> yeah. I am now. I mean, if you can generalise and say four, about four and a half, then you're definitely in a better place. Yeah. You haven't got your specific calorie count yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, So what would you say if you had... So obviously, like, there are probably people out there, especially men, it's not really talked about in, with men as much about, you know, the, the OCDs and the body dysmorphia. What was your reach-out point? Was it sort of, did you go to the doctors? Or was you, did you go that private route? So I went to the doctors, but I did it. I didn't go to the doctor, if that makes sense. Okay. Because I, I didn't want medication. Yeah. And the last time I went to the doctors with something like anxiety, the first thing they do is say, right, here's some yeah. citalopram, yeah. have that for the next six weeks, and then the next two weeks you feel like a dead person, and then you, you, your hormones sort of, the, the brain sort of balances out a little bit. I didn't want that this time. Mm. So I purposely didn't go to the doctor. I did some research, and you can self-refer for counselling to, I think it's through Speak Out or Healthy Minds, or I can't remember the what they're called now Step, yeah. step for, steps step for, for change step for change yeah, step yeah for that's change. I've used them before yeah 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 so you can self-refer to them they ring you up and do an assessment over the phone and then they would decide what you're best suited to whether it's counselling or CBT mm. and then they'll put you in contact with the counsellor then they do another assessment and then they go yeah we can work with you or no we think you might be better with so that, like I say for me that turning point was when I saw the, the hair growing in different areas mm. and then I decided right I'm going to reach out now so yeah. contact Step for Change and you know what with the NHS, how it is on its arse and how hard it must be to work for the NHS right now. They, I put my application, my referral in, in the December, early December, and before Christmas I had my first assessment. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I, I've had a really good experience with step change mm. as well. I found they were turnaround really, really quick. I couldn't believe it. I was, I was fully expecting... Uh, to wait. January, yeah. February. But tell you, first assessment before Christmas, to have my first counselling session booked in between Christmas and New Year. Mm. So, you know, around about this time two years ago. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Did you have it face-to-face? It was, it was done over phone and Zoom. Zoom, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's literally just out of... Just after the COVID, COVID thing. And to yeah. be honest, it means they've got more resources then because you don't have to travel and they don't have to. Yeah. yeah. So it is better. So, yeah, definitely. Obviously, it's really good that you've come and created some awareness and that people can, should be able to speak out openly. And definitely. obviously, you're someone they can reach out to. I can put your... So your coaching stuff's online as well. Do you yeah, online yeah. coaching? Yeah, yeah, online coaching. So do face-to-face coaching from the gym, obviously. Do online coaching. But also, I'm, I'm there just to talk to people. Mm, yeah. You know, like I say, without coming across cheesy or whatever else, do, doing this, the main reason for saying yes, this wasn't for my own... Oh, look at me, I did this. It was so that someone can listen to it and say, Tim, I'm feeling that. Yeah. Drop me a message. Yeah. Let's yeah, talk yeah. about it. Because like you say, with men, especially with men, it is getting more and more common now for mm-hmm. people to talk. But it's still, it's between still friends, stigma. there's still yeah. a stigma that you're weak or you're a failure or because you're struggling. That's not the case. Mm. In fact, 99% of people, well, every single person at some point in their life will have a low point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No matter who you are, no matter whether you're Chris Bumstead or Arnold Schwarzenegger, David Becker, who, you know, all the what we class as really successful people, mm-hmm. they're still gonna have those downtimes. Yeah, it's been able to speak out at that point yeah, rather than letting it get child. so bad that you get to the point where I was, where you make yourself poorly, putting relationships at risk, and potentially being on your own. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so if, if one person can needs that help, then it's been worthwhile. Perfect.
Well, I'm going to put some links below this video um, on the YouTube. So we'll put some links to Step Change and also to Tim's coaching. Reach out, speak out. And yeah, thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for having me. It's been great. That's all right. You're off to the gym now. Yeah. Got shoulders. Oh, I love shoulders. Good session. I think I've trained already today. I might go back though. <laughs> <laughs>